This is the Closers Only Podcast, a show that helps you unleash your inner sales beast. Here's your host, co-founder of Sell Instruct, Chaba Bolog. Welcome everyone to today's episode on Closers Only. Our special guest today is Callum Anderson. Hi Callum. Hi there, how you doing? All good, thank you very much. Callum is SDR leader at Engage Tech. Uh, been following actually Callum's posts on LinkedIn for quite a while and we never really engaged before. We had we had a, a quite a, an interesting interaction last week which resulted into this episode and what it was, it was talking about the silver bullet in, in sales prospecting. So what we decided with Callum is, hey, let's talk about this today. But before we dive into that, Callum, can you please give a couple of words about, about to our audience who you are uh, what you represent pretty much on LinkedIn because you write about a lot of things and what your sure. company does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think firstly, I'm really pleased to, to, to be on this. Thanks for asking me on. Uh, I, I think the interactions that I've had with you from a sales development perspective have been great. Java, I think you've had, uh, you know, you sent me a couple of gifts. Um, I genuinely was interested, but you had to sort of pin me down for a date a couple of times and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, you've, you've, uh, you've done all of that right. So um, credit to you. Um, yeah, I suppose in terms of like what, um, a bit, a bit about me, what, what I'm about, um, worked in sales development my entire career since I've left university. Uh, I've done a few different jobs. So actually outbound prospecting at scale myself, uh, then managing a team of people, uh, doing that, um, as a player manager to start. And then just as a, as a manager later, so that was about a team of 30. Uh, and in more recent times I've sold are uh, appointment setting services and I'm also involved in a SaaS business as, uh, as well. So I think quite a natural like career progression for someone that starts out in, in inside sales or sales development, uh, a little bit about the business that I work for. Um, so we're a tech focused company, so we only work with and support tech businesses. Uh, one arm of the company provides outsourced sales development services. Uh, how that typically works is a company let's just take IBM as an example huge player in the tech market uh, they will come to us with a, a product or set of products they want to, to take out to their potential customer base and they'll get access to uh, a caller from our business and SDR who has access to our database and an amazing team of coaches trainers all of those kinds of things uh, and then that individual will prospect on behalf of IBM for anywhere between three months and five years uh, to schedule appointments for them. Uh, so we cut out a lot of the noise on the sales development perspective for our customers. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, that SaaS part of the business uh, at the moment is essentially like an intent data tool. Uh, so if you were a sales development rep in a technology business, uh, we could, for example, rank your target list. Uh, if you had 100 companies, we could say this is the number one on the list that you should prospect into, the most likely to meet you, potentially the most likely to buy your, your solution. Uh, amongst a few other different things. So essentially helping that SDR who has access to the SaaS tools to focus 80% of their effort on the 20% of companies who are most likely to, to, to want to, to, want mm -hmm. to meet them. Uh, and so yeah, Engage Tech is the wider company name and the SaaS tool is called Engage IQ. Mm -hmm. uh, and I suppose just in terms of our interactions on LinkedIn, uh, I try and post on their uh, sales development content uh, whether that's like tips and tricks to get better on your like individual interactions and conversations with a prospect all the way down to things like mindset, work ethic, like 
that comes into into sales development uh, in all honesty it's what i know about and so i probably feel comfortable putting something up and out there once a day uh and and yeah i think i'm starting to see a little bit of traction which is which is nice and all i'd say to people who are listening to this if you're in sales development you have a story to tell put it out there yeah. uh you know, I think I got had a post with 10,000 plus views yesterday. The day before it, I got like a hundred views on a post. <laughs> like, so like, <laughs> like it's just don't, just don't fall at that first hurdle. And yeah, like as a, as an SDR, if you're talking to people, you know, you might have 10 to 15 conversations every day with different kinds of people. There's a hundred percent a story or an anecdote or something in that, that you can, you can post. So yeah, do it. I think what's very interesting is, um, that yeah, no what nobody could predict the LinkedIn algorithm. What is going to be a very good post? You think it's going to be awesome, and then yeah, you see that you have a couple of hundred views. Uh, we I, I showed our to our SDRs the other day that hey, I got about twenty something likes on this, and it has a couple of hundred views, and I had the same amount of likes, more comments, uh, sorry, less comments, and more, much more, like double the views on just one single post. So it's very hard to predict what is ranked high and what is ranked low. Um, but certainly it has its benefits. And I think you shouldn't be going for the fame. You should really go for just putting value out there, right? Putting out first, for example, what you do, like to help people. And then if they like it and it's, if it's quality stuff, it's gonna catch on. Yeah. And look, like no matter what stage you're at, there are always gonna be people out there who are getting more views or are getting more um more likes or, or yeah. whatever and just like you're running a different race i think there are people out there like justin welsh i think his content's great um i think he's probably getting like 50 to 100 000 views every post he puts out like uh -huh. minimum you yeah. got like morgan j ingram there's a guy in the uk richard smith who works for a company called refract who yeah. he posts great content uh josh braun i love his stuff um colin cadmus is another one who gets just insane engagement and you just got to start somewhere. Right. And I think um, the main thing about those guys is they've got messages that they stick to. They know, well, they've got a niche where they can really add value and they're just consistent with what they, uh, with what they do. And like I said, got to, yeah. people have got to start somewhere. Yeah. Actually that, that would have been my, the, the other thing I, I was very curious about you're managing, I think you said a team of 30 people, uh, Right. Yeah. So um, I manage different teams, but in, in our sales development team, we have two, one for the SaaS business. There are four or five people who I support in some way or another. And then there are 30 plus SDRs, actually 37 at the moment who represent different tech businesses. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you are managing a lot of people. You are pretty <laughs> yeah, much definitely. like running meetings back and forth all day long, all day long. And yeah, still true. you manage to dedicate that time slot in your calendar every day to just put content out there on LinkedIn. Mm. And I'm very curious what tips you have for people that they are struggling to just, no matter what is happening, to put content out there. And if, if they put it out there, they respond to all the comments that are coming and actually they try to engage with maybe people who like their stuff because you know, that, that's when it makes sense. You, you build your network, right? And you start talking to more and more and more people. Yeah, definitely. I think. One thing that I saw recently um, that was posted by a guy called Jake Dunlap. He's another one. I think he posts some really good stuff mm -hmm. uh, of all of, he tracks a lot of data through LinkedIn posts um, for himself and other people. Uh, he said that um, the most common theme on high engagement on posts was something that was put out in the morning. 
So I always make sure that I'm trying to put something out as early in the day as possible. Best case quarter to eight, worst case quarter past eight. Uh, okay. And that just gives me a little bit of a window. So before I set off on my day at work, I'll put something out there. Uh, worth looking up something called Parkinson's law, which is the task that you're about to do will fill the allotted time that you have to do that task. So if you want to spend an hour putting a LinkedIn post together, you can, but if you just give yourself a 10 minute deadline, you'll put something out. Okay. Um, and, and so just give yourself quite a strict deadline to do it. Uh, and like I said, I've probably put like spent 25 minutes on posts before that have ended up with 10 likes. The one I put up yesterday, like I, like I said, which got, got as much traction as I've probably ever got was literally just, we've got 10 new starters. What would you advise they, they do to make themselves a success in sales development? Mm -hmm. Give me two seconds uh, to, to, to put it out there. So um, yeah, like I just think don't, don't over, over sweat it. And without going to Gary Vaynerchuk on everyone, you know, I think the inherently the thing that stops people is worrying about what they're putting out there. Who's going to see mm -hmm. it? Yeah. What are they going to think of me? All that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, over the last two years, I've put out some really rubbish posts. Mm -hmm. So, so what? Yeah. But you're visible. And <laughs> exactly. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're visible. <laughs> and even if some of your posts are not, not that great, still people will remember you and who you are. And okay, this guy talks about prospecting, so he might understand what he's talking about. That's the perception, I, I believe, from, from prospect side. For sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you made a good point. Re respond to people who interact with you. Yeah. Say yes, like, comment, reply. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually guilty of this, you know, and, I, and I'm being very uh, accountable for it. So, like, I'm, I'm even telling to our SDRs and, and to people we train that I should be getting more on this and I should really make it a regular habit of at least post twice a day. And I'm guilty of not doing that. Uh, now I think it's about max twice a week I post. So certainly that's something I'm working on, you know, to, mm. to really put stuff out there. Because for me, I don't think thinking about what I'm going to say is, is, is that difficult. You can put together a post really after a couple of posts for about 10, 15 minutes, right? You don't, you don't, have, you didn't, you don't need that much time. Because if you need to think for more than 30 minutes for a post, then maybe, yeah, it's not a good idea to post about that yeah it's not going to be genuine but rather uh, just the, yeah the energy commitment that okay i sit down now i write this post and then i need to be following up with all the all the comments and all, all the likes i think that's for me the shift that i need to somehow break through mm. and that's certainly something i'm working on because linkedin is powerful yeah for sure i think the other thing just to touch on um which i only really cottoned on to a little while ago is if you write an article rather than post um just on the top of your feed everyone in your network gets a notification. Is it recent? I don't even think it's that recent that that's been brought in. Uh -huh. but okay. Like the fact of the matter is, you know, you spend 10 minutes more on the post you've put together and convert it into an article. And then everyone in your network gets a notification to say, hmm. this person's just written an article. Okay. There's just no way that you could have that kind of like mind space with people yeah. in your business network in any other way hmm. through doing something which is actually pretty easy. Uh-huh. I think I have around nine, 10 articles posted yeah. and, and I always had like very low engagement under mm. like uh, not many likes, not many comments under my articles. 
So yeah. not, not that's why I was wondering if it's a recent thing because I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Like if everyone in my network gets a notification that I wrote an article, I'm I would expect more likes than yeah. I would put out just with a simple post. I think the effort of writing an article is the effort of reading an article is more than just scrolling on the feed. Uh-huh. So maybe that's okay. why. Maybe they don't make it the whole way through, but just like I say, there's that tick up, tick up in mind space once a week just to appear on top, top of people's feed. You're making me doubt myself now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that people do because I get it when they post. That makes sense. Uh-huh. I, I, I saw yours too, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw yours too. You, you posted something maybe on the weekend or Friday. Yeah, um, it was Saturday, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something, something. It was like that. And I, I remember and yeah, I put a like on it. Um, mm. And I'm trying to think back, you know, like I'm trying to really recall what, what it was about. I think it was about uh, uh, getting, it was definitely something about gatekeepers, as I remember, know how to get to gatekeepers, what kind of questions to ask if they are giving you objections. Yes. So it was, it was about, um, it was about like getting a better outcome mm-hmm. than the one that you're about to finish the yeah. call on. Uh-huh. And almost like being aware of like how there's almost like a mini sales funnel in every interaction that you have, which is if the gatekeeper says they can't put you through, how can you make that interaction? Not just yeah. like the phone's going down, but like, how can I, you know, perhaps get a referral to someone or find out a bit of information, which helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about crafting like the negatives into, into positives in some way. Uh, that was what the, that was what the article. Was. Yeah. Yeah. So now as we are talking about phone and objection handling, I'm, I'm very curious how you feel about uh, the phone today because yeah, the past six months, a lot of th- things changed and especially for, I guess, appointment setting for, for companies, phone is always a, a primary tool, but as there's lockdown and, and all sorts of things, crazy things going on in the world, uh, prospecting has changed. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts, like how to adapt to this new environment? And if the phone is not really working for you, what kind of avenues you need to try? Well, look, I'm, I'm born and bred professionally on cold calling. Uh, and that's probably 90% of the stuff that our set SDRs do. So I'm mm-hmm. a little bit biased uh, on, okay. on where the phone's at probably. But <laughs> firstly, I just want to say that I'm a big fan of skills in all areas. You know, mm-hmm. I think multi-channel, uh, you know, someone being able to, uh, you know, prospect on LinkedIn over email and, and over the phone is going to give that individual the best opportunities to succeed. Mm-hmm. I would have, like also say though, I think the further we go down the sales development profession becoming established and well-known, I think you will start to see specializations. I think for example, there will be like a, an email only SDR in a business at some point. And that person mm-hmm. is just a crazy copywriter, really good at personalizing, writes the most catchy um, subject lines to emails, almost like a mini journalist, you know, uh, like who works in a business. So I think you will see that specialization, but, um, the people that can perform on all fronts, I think will probably be the ones that become sales directors, marketing directors, et cetera, um, uh-huh. uh, within a, within a business. Cause I think you have to understand all of those areas to, to, to do that, those kind of roles effectively. Um, to back to the question, um, I firmly believe particularly over lockdown that, an ability to speak to someone over the phone yielded great results. You know, people were sat maybe only speaking to one or two other people per day. Uh, and human interaction of a sort was, was welcomed. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've always said, I think, I think people like cold calls, just they really dislike bad cold calls. <laughs> um, uh, well, maybe they don't like cold calls, but you get the point. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think it's probably a, a way, or it's definitely a way to cut out the most noise possible. You know, this is the quickest route to speaking to someone. This is the quickest route for me to establish a relationship with someone. And also mm-hmm. whether or not there's a good potential for us to do business or not with each other. I don't think you can have that kind of a detailed interaction over email or over LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. And so in terms of how uh, far a phone interaction pushes you down the funnel, I would say that that trumps the others for sure. I think a lot of businesses have been hit by the fact that they have good desk phone or direct dial data and then when people are working from home you can only connect with them over the mobile and there's much less of an opportunity to leverage the switchboard to get someone on the phone and so only companies who have good mobile data or who are buying good mobile data Mm. can continue to have a a calling only strategy or a calling first strategy engage tech and engage engage tech is fortunate enough to have a lot of mobile data and engage iq subscribers get mobile data as well so absolutely that's um that's something which we you know we're fortunate on um but yeah i'm i'm always of the view that that kind of call first and then maybe your your emails and your linkedin interactions come come as a secondary Mm -hmm. yeah it's just a very interesting thing so people don't hate cold calls they hate bad cold calls so what makes a cold call a bad one in your opinion uh, so I do this exercise with uh, our brand new SDRs. I say, what are the most like negative things that you could say, or what are your preconceptions about cold calling that are negative? Uh, volume. So making someone feel mm-hmm. like they're the they're the hundredth call of the day. Uh, you know, not relevant. You know, just a repeated script again and again. People don't typically like that. Uh, feeling like you're being like pushed or bullied or um, mm-hmm. not really listened to. Uh, are again like really negative things so allowing someone to feel like they can say no makes them feel comfortable like they can trust you um, and those kind of things enable someone to want to interact with you over the um, over the phone Um, people like to engage with someone who's confident and who's a peer and that doesn't mean like someone who's rude or talks down to you or anything like that it's just uh, you know are you engaging with someone who wants to have a conversation with you and makes you feel at ease yeah and you know I think uh, bad cold calls someone's not listening they're pushing you they get you to try and say yes all the time they make you feel like um you're just another person on the database or on the list mm-hmm. um and so yeah like, that's a few things and i'm sure there are a lot more on the list yeah, yeah. Uh, i certainly i think one interesting thing you mentioned is the confidence part and i think it's also one of the hardest to to work on because yeah, certainly you get more comfortable with cold calling. The more you cold call, the more more comfortable you get with it. So the more confidence you have, and then the more success you're going to have. But um, there are people, you know, it's just a very hard for them to to really feel that kind of energy. And that energy comes over across the prospect over the phone. How? What do you do usually? What do you tell your potential SDR that hey, you should you should own who you are? This is what I tell them, guys. Like, don't try to be somebody you are not. Mm. Try to be yourself because people 
people feel when you try to be a fake, you try to be a phony, you know, they, they, they really sense it over the phone and they don't see you and they, it comes across. If you have an accent like myself, you know, just own it. Like I own it and I'm comfortable with it. I am who I am and I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. And many, I, I give the same advice to many people, just own who you are and, and go out and, and be confident and it's going to resonate with others. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, th- I think being yourself enables you to be confident when you're prospecting, but then I think there needs to be a desire to improve. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not just going to settle at like, yeah, this is who I am right now. Like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is where, this is where I am. And that now is me uh-huh. to be com- from the comfortable, but now I'm going to, now I'm going to like, you know, constantly strive to be, to be better in, in, in certain, certain other ways. I think one of the main things for me is just the first 10 to 15 seconds of a cold call. Uh, people seem to overthink it. Um, mm-hmm. when you're new and starting out, like just imagine you've just walked up to someone at university freshers, you're there in your accommodation, you're at a party, whatever, and just, just say hello, you know, yeah. just, just yeah. interact, have a conversation for the first 10 to 15 seconds and, um, the world won't end. Uh, and then you can, then you'll feel confident and comfortable and then you can, you can start talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think until you've got to that point or, even once you've got to that point, like I, th- I think having tracks in your mind, like this is what I could say on a call to move someone to this area. And then once I get them to this area, then, um, then I know I'm on home turf and I can feel comfortable with, like talking about something. Um, like, so building those tracks quite early to move the prospect, I think is, um, like, is important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose those are, those are a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, I think you said you said a lot of valid things there to to try to put these conversations into perspective, just like from your real life, like when you're meeting a stranger, how would you start those conversations? Because we are speaking with even if it's high level executives who've been doing whatever they are doing for decades, they are people too. And and that's it. They, they just if you overthink that, oh my God, it's such a serious person. And what am I going to say? I'm going to sound stupid. It's just, um, it, yeah, it creates these blocks inside of you. Yeah. And, and then everything is just going to be much more difficult later on. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that you get around that is when you look at someone and they've got a head of or a director or this is their job title, or you see them on LinkedIn and that's what their career has been. I always just try and say to people, like, think about who you know who would be in that kind of a role. Mm-hmm. You're you know, your girlfriend's dad or, you know, your, your, your best friend from school's brother is doing this or that or whatever, or yeah, you know, um, your mom's yeah. best friend, she, she's, you know, head of HR at business. Like, mm-hmm. that's who you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, what I, what I noticed is that people try to sound very official, like, especially when they are starting out way too official over the phone because that's their first sales role. And actually, you don't have to use like a dude language or something, but uh, you still, when the more official you sound, the more distant you make the prospect. Cool. You know, you're not speaking with the, with the, with the queen or, or with the president. You are just really speaking with another person. Obviously it's a prospect, so you need to respect that person. And I've gotten, I think in my very first sales job and advice, uh, how to sound like, and they said, told Chaba, you, you what, what you do when you call these serious people just sound like you were speaking with your best friend's mother. And, and it really, it really, <laughs> and, and it really, it's, I just, 
I don't know, it stuck with me. And, and I give this advice to people we train and people who, who we have, like who we hired as SDRs that if you are writing an email, does this sound like you're like, you would you speak like this with your best friend's mom? Because yeah. you wouldn't curse, you know, you would be respectful, but you also would be absolutely fine cracking a joke, you know, a tasteful one. And, and that's the language that I think you need to implement in your, in your daily strategies and prospecting both over the phone, on LinkedIn or over email, it doesn't matter what. Sure. Uh, and it's just, I think a bad conditioning that straight away when we are thinking about sales or we, we want to speak with a, a, like a, a foreigner, like a foreign person that who we never spoken with, we don't, we don't know, which we, we try to sound official. So it's going to make us look smart. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and that's, that's our advice. I'm, I'm curious what you think about this best man, best friend's mom advice. Like spot on. I think we, we, we use like boyfriend or girlfriend's parents um, as with <laughs> okay. the chat. So something, something very similar. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So yeah, you said that you are, you're a phone guy. You love it. 90% of the time you do it. Still you do, I think a lot of LinkedIn as I see it. And we started discussing about silver bullets. So, Let's talk about that because I promised you, and I guess you don't. <laughs> yeah. You you, you don't want to you don't want to miss out on this. So I'm just very curious about apart from the phone, if you found anything that that worked for you. I guess LinkedIn is really working very well. But was there anything that that you found like yeah in Alabama? I think this is very solid. Yeah. I think just the silver bullet in your sales career is to know that there is no silver bullet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay as soon as you realize there is no silver bullet you're you're going to be in the right headspace mm -hmm. um there are definitely things that make you better move you substantially in the right direction mm -hmm. but this is a marginal gains gain uh, mm -hmm. at, at all stages you know um whether you're building a company whether you're trying to sell to someone it's just about constantly just building on like the foundation that you've you've set up until um up until this point and so I suppose one of the ways that I would typically look at that when it comes to your outbound calling uh, is to, uh, I think, focus on firstly having maybe always two styles in play. Uh, so I'd maybe say one that works really well for you might be in play for like 80 to 90% of your interactions. But then you like have a B version where you, um, you experiment. So you might use like slightly different phrasing or completely switch up the order of, of how you're talking or ask a slightly different question mm -hmm. uh, at a certain point. And then all you do is, is you use those different interactions to start to inform, okay, the A works really well. This works from the B. I'm going to add that to the A, you know, and, and, and you can constantly refine your approach as you, as you go down that, that road. Interesting. Um, I, I feel like moving people into I do this more so when I'm selling rather than in sales development, but I think it, I think the same concept does apply. I always try and like move someone or ask a question, which is closed, which moves them to a position where they've identified themselves as falling into a particular, I mean, bucket or category or, or something like that. So, uh, starting with a closed question or introducing a closed question, someone might then say to you, um, an example for me. So when I'm selling outsourced sales development, as an example, one of the first questions I might ask is, have you ever outsourced sales development before? 
and you're always taught not to ask closed questions. But if someone oh, yeah. says no, no, they haven't. For me, I know, right, I'm in education mode now. This person has never, ever used this before. So I've got not only to talk to them about what we do, but to educate them on the value of outsourcing sales development. Mm-hmm. And I think you can take that concept back to your cold calling. You know, you speak to someone, you're talking to them yep. about generating leads, you know, where is the gap in your funnel? Can I just ask, have you outsourced sales development before? No, mm-hmm. right. You can go into a particular mode. And if you're asking a closed question with maybe four or five different answers, you maybe need to have, or you definitely need to have, you know, a track detailed answer, detailed questions to ask dependent on the bucket that that person has identified themselves as falling within. Um, and so a B testing, but also manipulating the call by having closed questions followed by open questions, uh, and building out that, that, that track of conversation. I, I think both of those methods are, are really, really quite valuable. Um, just one other to touch on, uh, I find that, uh, SDRs are normally taught to like be, you know, relentless when it comes to talking about the meeting and Mm -hmm. to, uh, and to chase the meeting at all times. Firstly, the meeting needs to be in your head at all times. You know, that's the objective. So always have that in your mind. But once you've made your ask, if someone says no, they don't want to meet you, you need to go into like distraction mode. And that distraction mode is to move the prospect as far away from the meeting as possible. So questions, qualify, big picture, how's this impacting your business? Can you tell me more about that? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't close again for the meeting, maybe for another seven or eight minutes. You know, mm-hmm. you build this picture and then you go back and you say, look, I know you said no first time around, but since then we've established A, B, C, D. I've explained to you that on those, we've helped a business in that area and on, on, on this topic, you know, we can add value. So I'll just position to you, would you maybe reconsider that, that no? And, you know, I think this is the value of the meeting for you. Mm-hmm. And the mistake that I sometimes see people make is they pitch or they have their conversation. Will you meet me? No. And then it's not long until they say, will you meet me again? Mm-hmm. It's very rare that someone will say no and then say yes to the same thing in quick succession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, yeah, a few things. Um, few things there. So putting people in particular buckets, distracting them from your ask, building a case and then going back in uh, to close again, and then constantly A-B testing on different types of and, and methods would be a few different techniques that I would introduce. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, what I would like to actually circle back is you, you said this open, close-ended question, and I think you were the first person I spoke with in sales who said that it's totally fine asking close-ended questions because I, by the way, I like asking close-ended questions as well. And the reason for that is um, there are, there are right place for a close-ended question because what I notice when I only ask open-ended questions, it can sound like an interrogation. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't it? It really is like, it's not like a human conversation. If you just think about the way we talk now, like we are not only asking like, open-ended questions from each other that's not the way we speak mm. and and that's why yeah it's what well, you said have you used outsource sales development before i think it's a valid question 
And then you ask like three, four more of those, and then you can put together a framework in your head that, okay, like I have the information, what I need, but I didn't ask a, a, an open-ended question. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So regarding, regarding my silver bullet, I think it's important to define what it is because I think it, people have this understanding that it's better than anything else, or it's going to be just the only thing we do based on my understanding, at least, because I think I have something that is very good and it worked very well for me. And I saw also other reps that it worked very well for them. And that um, for me, it's just an effective strategy that can, that can probably be more effective than just traditional cold calling and, and cold emailing. So just enrolling people, enrolling my prospects into a sequence. So what we did is uh, it's pretty much creating a setting, creating a community for our ideal prospects to, to get together and have conversation about the topic they care about, which in this case was DevOps because we were selling to DevOps professionals. So pretty much engineers, developers, and creating an event about that, having uh, pretty much a dinner, uh, also inviting some guest speakers who are going to be speaking about different topics, but also we presented about our solution you know, by the end of this. And what we did with, with, with this entire thing is instead of just trying to sound like a sales pitch when we were reaching out to people over LinkedIn, over email or other, other forums, that we, we didn't create this kind of barrier that this is just a salesperson wanting to sell me. Yeah. This is the salesperson who wants to engage with me. And actually they are giving me something before they get something. So we invite them for, any, for a special, like an invite only event where they could dine and they could interact with other people. They can network, they can share knowledge. And by the way, at the end, we also talk about what we do. Yeah. And I worked like charm, man. Like we, <laughs> we really did. There was, there, there are a couple of uh, case studies that we, we trained during the program, like how many touch points it took for me to break into target accounts that I was really after. There was one that three, it took three months, about 35 touch points, combination of LinkedIn, phone, email, video. Uh, so pretty much everything apart from direct mail, I believe, 35. And we managed to convert just for this single event, which by the way, I organized myself as an SDR. So no involvement from AEs or other, other people. Mm. Uh, converted out of 11 target accounts, which I selected seven in two weeks. Reasons. With 30 touch points. So altogether, 30 touch points. And everyone was like, no, nobody was a no-show. Everyone was a show-show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everyone attended, you know, it was not like people agreeing, you know, we actually created like the platform and it's nothing. We didn't reinvent anything. We didn't reinvent the wheel, right? It was, it was a sales-driven event from the very beginning. It was not, nothing like marketing. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, go on. I was going to say, like, I think like what what you've obviously like displayed is is initiative, and um, and that's one of the things that like I, I try and say to the the sales development team that um that I'm running for our SaaS business, which is you're the CEO of sales development. Yeah. Like, you, you need to work this out, and you need to be coming to me saying these are the ideas. This is what's going to work well this is why this idea might fail. Like, can you give me a bit of advice about like what you think on this? But you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't think you can rely on someone who's maybe 
like your five percent like sales development might be five percent of the uh you know the md or the ceo of a business's focus so yeah. you can't rely on that 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 md or ceo to come up with all the ideas and to execute them and all that all that kind of stuff and i think what you've spoken about there is the fact that you're in a role where you can be really creative if you want to be mm-hmm. um and and yeah you've obviously got a good story to uh, and with some great results so yeah and it was if you think about inside sales you know online though it was an offline stuff but also we started everything online like linkedin inviting these mm. people inviting these individuals and again the barrier is much lower right because we, we 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 don't try to sell anything from the very beginning and this is the mentality that needs to be there to have conversation with individual individuals and and the hardest part in sales today is to get to engagement Mm. that's the tough the tough thing to start it to get started when it's get when it started after that it's it's, it's becoming easy go on all i was going to say was i think the other thing that that you maybe touched on there is that you've shown some patience to enable that to happen and i think we with there's certainly like a a sort of instant gratification and instant results culture that that people have now mm-hmm. uh, and i think as an sdr you need to be aware that it might take you 20 touches over nine months to mm-hmm. get your dream customer in the room with your account yeah. executive. Yeah. Uh, and just be willing to put that, that time and effort in. And it's, a, you know, someone saying no to you today doesn't necessarily mean it's a no forever. Oh, yeah. if you can, if you can take some positives from that conversation and use it further down the line, you know, um, so often I see SDRs, they speak to one person at a company and oh no, they've already got a product in place or they're not interested. It's like, you need to be speaking to 10 people at that company before you can even come to a decision. Like you're not going to prospect there for the next six, mm-hmm. six months or so. Right. Um, and yeah, just, I think stepping back from that, like everything I'm doing today has to give me a result today uh, is, is really important for SDRs. Um, mm-hmm. You need to play a much, much longer game. Yeah. Or for example, if, uh, if someone has already a vendor, then try to understand how they're using that. Uh, yeah why, 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 is there... they, why, why do they pick them when are they refreshing you know yeah exactly gaps yeah uh like i'm 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 super like my hobby one of my hobbies is uh i'm, I'm a watch enthusiast i love wristwatches and uh, i have some you know in my collection and having one it doesn't mean i don't want another one <laughs> right yeah, for sure. and, and i'm always on the lookout for interesting things something that is going to bring me some history from the past and oh, it's a cool piece to wear and it doesn't but it's okay it's my individual thing but having one software in place it doesn't mean that they are not gonna be investing maybe just just a little bit of of money and time into a new one to test at least how it compares to the one that they already have yeah agree and 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 and, and that's when they when People, people get scared away that, okay, uh, they have something in place. I'm going away. I'm, I'm not going to follow up with this prospect. Then I want to understand like, how you like it. What do you dislike about it? When is your contract ending? And based on that, I can also, like, if I was, like, when I was booking these meetings, I would run the meetings based on those things that they don't like about the, their current setting and their mm. current platform. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, th- I think you're right. There was just one other thing that I wanted to uh, wanted to say. Like, I think you asked a question um, to me, like in advance, was just about um, like trying new things out. Uh huh. And I think 
at the moment I'm personally seeing there are quite a lot of fads or like just popular things that people are doing in sales development mm-hmm. videos voice notes are getting thrown around a lot and I think it's important to stress that there are some people that are doing that really well and those people are like influencers um, and I see a lot of sales development reps just lazily adding that type of interaction to their process mm-hmm. but when you're trying new things particularly brand new things you need to be willing to be creative and find your own groove that's working and not just think, Oh, I'm just going to tick a box <laughs> and just suddenly add video to my prospecting and expect all of these leads to come through. You need to work at it. You need to improve like, and, and develop through AB testing. And um, I would say video and voice are the biggest untapped areas, oh, yeah. but you need to be willing to put the work in to find out how it's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't just think, Oh yeah, I'm just going to send 10 videos today and get meetings. You might need to send 10,000 videos before you get it, get it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that are willing to put that effort in, they're going to be the ones that sat here at the end of this, like killing and owning the video space. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just embark on it. Like, yeah, I'm just going to add it to the cadence and, and think I'm going to get results because you'll burn time. If you do that. I think it needs, it needs a lot of practice. So what you said, yeah, make 10,000 <laughs> just for me, Creating the first first 20, 20 second video took an hour. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Just thinking back, oh my God, it was such a, and I was like nervous, it wasn't perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's the thing. It doesn't, you, you should sound like yourself the way you normally speak, right? But mm. you need to realize these things. And the, obviously the more you practice, the better you're going to become. I'm watching my videos back from the past and yeah, I would, I would change that and change this. Um, I, I also agree that it's an untapped area. At my previous company, I was the only rep out of 50 yeah. reps, I think, who used it. Like we had mm. good reps, bad reps, you know, but I was the only person at the entire yeah. company who used video, which was kind of sad because it's a very cool thing. And it, there is no enablement around it. I think uh, trainers, managers, nobody really can explain it really well how, how this video stuff or now voice messages only, and how do they work? Mm. If there was more better training around it, I think it would be an amazing thing because everybody can learn it. Yeah, for sure. And also just uh, shout out to anyone listening that um, Java sent me a few uh, gifts, which really like brought life to the conversation. So um, I'm going to be nicking that and I reckon, I reckon you should as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something it's human emotions, right? We're people. So that's, that's pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Live in the conversation. So yeah, yeah, Callum, thank you very much. I think we spoke about a lot of different yeah. things, strategies, what worked, what didn't work for us, the silver bullet. And yeah, I think it's going to be just very, very useful for SDRs, SDR managers listening to this. Amazing. Well, it was great linking up. Um, we, should, we should catch up again in the next few months and, and let's, uh, let's stay in touch. And yeah, sure. I appreciate you having me on. Sure. Uh, and yeah, if okay. anyone wants to, um, yeah. sorry, if anyone wants to reach out, message me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm always uh, I'm always up for a chat so hit me up yeah yeah awesome thank you very much man have a nice one cheers bye for more tips and tips on sales development check out salesinstruct.com or reach out to us on LinkedIn they're happy to connect stay tuned for the next episode